Welcome back to the Me and Mariah podcast, a land of lambs where butterflies flutter and honey runneth over. I'm Taylor, a self-diagnosed mimiphile, joined this week by my co-host Blake, who's slowly but surely catching the carry fever one degree at a time. <laughs> Pretty slowly, but yes. Wow. <laughs> what this, a picture you painted. I know I, I do that. that. I liked that a lot. Sometimes I'm a Picasso with it. I feel like it. I'm in a meadow now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this week we're diving into Mariah's 14th album. I think this is my favorite Mariah album title, by the way, or at least it is right now in this very moment, darling. <laughs> it's me. I am Mariah, the elusive chanteuse. What a mouthful. Her most long-winded title to date. Yeah, she would have simultaneously a simple and complicated title all in one somehow. That's our girl. Me. I am Mariah. <laughs> Two sides of one coin. She is the coin. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? I, I don't know. know. But released in May of 2014, I really can't believe that it's already been eight years since she put this out. Like, where has the time gone? This was such an interesting time for our Mimi. Can anyone say butterfly water? Oh, you told me about that. Wasn't it just like really sweet? It was like the stuff you put in a hummingbird feeder. Nectar. For humans. Mm. This was also a big transitional period for Mariah. What do astrology people call that? You know what I mean? Transitional summer moment. There is an astrological transit, like when you're moving from... Sign to sign. Well, is that, that what you mean? Yeah, that must be what she was doing. Are talking about the eclipses? Well, she was doing a lot of reflection, okay. and not all because she wanted to. Mm-hmm. I think she was forced to look at herself a little differently during this era, and what I mean is I think up until this point, Mariah saw herself as part of the now, the in thing, because that's where she had been for so long, and that's where she was comfy. Remember when a little singer called Ariana Grande came out with that ponytail and everyone was calling her the new Mariah? Yes. That didn't sit well with Mimi because we don't need a new Mariah when the first one is still here working perfectly fine. Yeah. I but, can imagine that didn't feel good. Yeah. Was that around this time? Yes. Eight years ago? This was that time. Whoa. But now it's like when this era happened, more and more people are recognizing her as a legend. I mean, we already were before this because, you know, we're lambs. It's not as common for the everyday Kyle or Erica to feel that, though, you know? <laughs> and I don't think she liked that at first. I think it scared her a little bit. I think maybe it felt like that status creeped up on her eternally 12-year-old ass and she was faced with the fact that she is on the other side of the grassy hill of a practically 25-year career. Yeah. But I wish everybody all the best of luck. And if this is a career path that they choose, hope that they can achieve longevity. She didn't quite get it yet the way she gets it and leans into it now. And Mariah couldn't keep a manager to save her life in this era. It was rough. She even tried Randy Jackson out. That didn't work. She tried Jermaine Dupri out and guess what? Didn't work either. This was the longest Mariah had waited between albums. It was her first album as a mom, and it was the most dragged out release of her career, which we've talked a lot about. Remember The Art of Letting Go? Yeah. Letting go, letting go when didn't even start there. I mean, if we want to act like archaeologists, we can uncover the first, first fossil, triumphant, get em, from back in 2012, which was the start of Mariah trying to release this album. Come to think of it, maybe the Mayans were sensing this, because the whole end of the world thing didn't happen the way that we thought. Sure. Well, fast forward a year, Mariah's a judge on American Idol, the highest paid television judge in the history of television judges. I don't know if that includes Judy. I didn't do the research behind the stats. I'm just reporting them. See how easy that was, idiot. But Mariah being on live TV every week could have really pushed the album to sell big numbers, but they didn't release it. So 
Okay, the motherhood thing is interesting to me. Did she write this material after she became a mother? Mm-hmm. Or, okay, so this truly was the first like creation, creative process. Right, because the last she thing she did before this was the Christmas one and she was pregnant. Interesting. Okay, that gives me a little bit more perspective than mm-hmm. what I listened to. And there was about three or four more delays after they finally announced a release date of May 6, 2014 on Mariah's website, only for, you know, the album to be pushed back three more weeks to the 20 seventh and at this point only god knows why and i didn't feel like bothering her to find out oh my goodness well i had to push the date back and back mm-hmm. several several times there always seems to be weird timing stuff surrounding mariah do you think it's coincidence bad luck or perfectionism a or combo a, a, like her team all, all of the that. above all, all of the it. above mm-hmm. there's like there's a common theme there Yeah, and the numbers on this one sound so disappointing compared to the historic sales numbers that we've talked about with her other albums, but record sales in 2014 just weren't it. Please don't judge me. I think the only person who sold a million albums in 2014 was Taylor Swift and the soundtrack to Frozen. And when your audience is kids, like those two, you make a lot more money because parents will pay anything to shut their annoying little kid up for a second so mommy can sneak a sip of Merlot. But I digress. The Elusive Chanteuse sold a mere 58,000 copies in its first week and still debuted in the top three on the Billboard album charts. Oh, damn. The critics weren't too harsh on this one. Pitchfork said that the Elusive Chanteuse doesn't bend towards the whims of the radio. They said it sounds exactly defiantly like Mariah, acknowledging her place in the pop ecosystem both implicitly and explicitly without chomping at the bit. Can't argue there, really. Hmm, that sounds a lot nicer than a lot of the other reviews yeah. from previous albums, honestly. <laughs> well, before we get into the songs, let's talk about all three of the covers. But before we even do that, let's revisit the drawing on the back. Mariah's self-portrait from when she was three years old. It's where she got the title from, Me, I Am Mariah. Someone had to help her with that, right? I don't have kids, but I don't remember being able to write in full sentences at three. Mm, no. But she is Mariah Carey, modern-day mathematical genius, so I probably shouldn't question it. She is a prodigy. It was a creative visualization of how I saw myself with the purity of a child's heart. Her hands. She drew her hands really big. <laughs> she knew. <laughs> she does and have her some. mole. I know. Oh my gosh. She's so cute. Look at her little bow. So for the fronts, <laughs> we have the standard version. This happens to be my favorite cover. The full body shot with our very special Mariah pose. You know, the pointed toe, the lifted arm. What's not to love? Yeah, she looks really good. Really airbrushed. Well, <laughs> Her freaking legs. Look at those legs. Stems. Those look like tights. Like she's, or leggings. You never that's know. Not, that's not skin. Who's to say? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> we don't know her. The background is like a sunset in Alaska on all three of the photos, but that's how I'd imagine it to look if Sarah Palin never lived there. The clouds in front of the starry sky make a wish. And this album was released on the verge of summer. And if the cover is anything to judge by, you'd think this bad boy would be full of the beach bops. But it isn't. Sans maybe a couple songs, but that's okay. We forgive you for that. The second cover was for the special edition. And it's a shoulders up photo of Mariah. She's naked and not amused. I love the way her hair lays on her face in that one. It was the original cover for when the album was called The Art of Letting Go. And then the third picture used as a cover for Me, I Am Mariah was exclusive to the Happiest Place on Earth, Target. (laughs) It's another close-up shot. Her hair is slicked back out of her face, and she's got her hands femininely placed, one on top of her head, and the other adorned with her signature butterfly ring, gently cupping her ear. Which cover do you think gives the best energy? Mm, 
I think the whole body one like brings the confidence. The one that's shoulders up is like softer. I don't think the the butterfly ring one is doing it for you. No, that one's not doing it for me. You know what's funny is I almost feel like the Target cover feels like the most visually relatable to the music, and I don't know how to explain that. It's just interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Why? Do, I don't know. She just looks a little stunned. She looks a little surprised. It's the Botox. She can't She's, show emotion for another hour and a half. A little confused, really. <laughs> I don't think that's that doesn't do it justice. I like the the femininity of like the hair in her face of the shoulder up one. I did like that about that one too. And I was actually when this came out, I was like, damn, I really wish they would have just kept the cover because you know this full body shot was probably intended for the back originally. Oh yeah, make me it does look more like a back photo. Mm. I don't know. She looks really gorgeous in these though. Yeah, I love I love that era. I know I was like harping on her legs, but honestly, she doesn't look that touched up in the face. Yeah. Some other ones too. Some of the well, we'll get to some of the single covers on this one because oh. woof. But now without further ado, me I am Mariah the Elusive Chanteuse. That sounded like a riddle. Like <laughs> fuck am I further ado? Yeah, am I supposed to grant you a fucking um, wish now? Elusive Chanteuse. <laughs> <laughs> What does chanteuse mean? It's a singer. I've never heard that term other than this album. I don't think I had heard it until this, but now I've heard it a lot. interesting way to begin an album when you've been gone for over four years it almost feels like a funeral and you know how people say no is a full sentence mm-hmm. well apparently cry is too otherwise <laughs> why would there be a period there it's less of a song title and more of a command cry <laughs> <laughs> Cry is a piano ballad that Mariah worked with Big Jim Wright on, and we knew from the minute that we heard it, Nick and Mariah's relationship was going to end. Like, hello, we're lambs, not fish. We have brains. And we know how Mariah writes like she's just got to get her true feelings out, and that's what this song is. It's like she's singing to the version of Nick that she fell in love with, who, according to Mariah, he's not the same person anymore. But she's not putting the full blame on him. She knows it's a two-way street, and she's more than willing to admit her faults and their demise. We're going to divorce court after we leave, darling. I'm playing <laughs> Dominican Republic. Here we come. That's a really good reflection of the lyrics. Right? I also agree it was an interesting way to start out the album. I was like, quite the move to start with such a slow like deep ballad this right off the bat reminded me more of like NDRE Alicia Keys than Mm -hmm. some of her other music so I was interested to see if she was going more in her R&B direction versus pop direction Moving into track two, we have Faded. Mariah worked with Mike Will Made It on this song. Their collaboration was Mariah trying to work with someone who was currently on the charts instead of using her usual cronies. This guy was pretty much responsible for Miley's bangers era, where she was sticking her tongue out all over the damn place. And this seems to be another one that's negatively aimed at Mr. Nick. That's two for two. See? 
She was telling us before she even told us they were doomed. This song really could just be her way of expressing that she was angry with him for working all the time. She says things like, you come, you go, in the morning you're not here. What new mom wants their husband running around all over the place? She wanted him to chill for a second, but he didn't, and that's why he was fading away from her. And I do love that little cowbell. Oh, yeah. I As soon as I heard the mic will... <laughs> <laughs> I I instantly thought like okay because I didn't have any context about this album right. really like going into it start to finish I was like okay maybe we're not going more R&B slow ballad and we're going more like top 40 let's see how many hits we can get out of it only because some of her past collaborators weren't as mainstream as right. it was like at, at this exact moment in time it seemed kind of strategic does right. that make sense yeah like no, i was. instantly was like oh okay like she's trying to like yeah get back in the game with this one yep. that collab um the storytelling was okay it was okay I just feel like it was a little on the blander side and it feels like nothing happens in the first half of the song for yeah. me. And then the second half, I'm like, oh, okay, she's bringing it. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird one for me. Yeah, that's, yeah. Right? And it was that, like two different songs almost. And a few of the songs were like that to me. I was going to say, that's kind of a vibe that I pick up on a lot on this this one. Yeah, a little disjointed. <laughs> The next song is dedicated. We're in a more positive headspace now. Bitterness is behind us for the time being, and I feel that this song perfectly achieves what the goal of this album as a whole was. It evokes the feeling of nostalgia, which is one of Mimi's favorite words, like festive or pow. But that's your nostalgia, though, just for the That's my most nostalgic moment. She's in reflection mode, and it's an ode to the Lamely. Lots of Mariah referencing Mariah. And for that, I think it could have been a single. Remember, this was the era that we started a little thing called Throwback Thursday. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. And I think this is a full circle moment. This is Mariah looking back at the genre that she created. Oh, interesting. She was doing something that no one else was doing. And look at her now. She sewed a pasture of clovers for all the little lambs to stomp on and chew on. <laughs> I didn't take it that way at all, but that's an interesting perspective of the song. Just like based on the sound alone, she does a lot of talking in this album. And this was the first one where mm -hmm. she brings the talking in at the beginning, the beat picking up. Like, again, she's really good at like leading the listener through an experience. So yeah. I was like, okay, here we are. We're about to like get a little bit higher energy. And I liked the rap portion with Nas. Yeah. It was good. Who's the greatest living a passed away? I asked him, see, see what she has to say. He's the first rapper to like appear on the album so far. Mm -hmm. And I think his verse adds a little something to the song that sometimes her rap features don't do. Yeah, like it actually, it complimented it. Yeah. It didn't like, it didn't feel as separate, which we were just right. saying the previous song kind of had the problem. And this song is the first of three Hit Boy collaborations on the Elusive Chanteuse. He was another of the time producer for her to work with. He did that song Love More by Chris Brown, a different Hit Boy, if you know what I mean. Maybe I shouldn't say oh, that. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> Uh. Don't condone. Now for the song that everyone probably knows from this album, Hashtag Beautiful. Why the fuck there's a hashtag in there is beyond me. I honestly hate it. Title-wise, we're leaning way too into the internet. I like when you realize, don't die. 
hashtag beautiful features Miguel, and it was released an entire year before the album during the American Idol moment. And it peaked at number 15 on the Hot 100, which was disappointing to me because I think it deserved more. It's a good song. At least number five or six would have been nice. I'm not going to push it and say number one because I'm realistic sometimes. <laughs> Miguel had uh, a track that, that was amazing. We can get together. I can write a chorus that's, that doesn't have to incorporate that and a verse that that's very me and we can merge, you know, and come together and get that song to a place that's something totally different, fresh, unique, and back to basic. The feedback that's been coming to us is like astonishing. I feel like this is the first record I've ever released. I remember when the song came out, I lived downtown and I would walk everywhere I needed to go with a flute of champagne in my hand because who's going to check me, boo? <laughs> you did not. Do yes. That. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> oh, you bet. <laughs> I don't know why she chose the hashtag before either. I think I'm only surprised because she is really good at seeing like a bigger vision, I think. And I'm not sure why she would choose that when things like that can date your music or yeah. can like it can make it like irrelevant at some point. Mm -hmm. But we all know that this is catchy. It charted for a reason. It still gets in like stuck in my head sometimes out of nowhere. Like this is that random like. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a good single. I think the music video perfectly encompasses the feeling that the song evokes not just the motorcycle element because hello that's too obvious the lyrics but like why is it that she would be in a yellow dress you know what i mean there would oh. be fireflies it just makes sense and if i'm gonna have a big old barn to park my red portion i too would hang nine crystal chandeliers low enough to bump my forehead <laughs> Yeah, the music video does make sense for some reason. It's very fantasy, very mm -hmm. light, airy, carefree. Yeah. And let's not talk about the Spanglish version. I don't know why, but they did a Spanglish version. <laughs> Hashtag Hermosa. <laughs> Ew, why are you pronouncing that way? Is that really the best you can do? Hermosa. Yeah, that's, that's no. how it's deserved to say for this song. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Okay. Hashtag Hermosa. Ew, ew. It's not, you can't say it with an accent if it's the song. Okay, I'm sorry. You have to just say it like that <laughs> because that's what it deserves. She's biracial, she's bilingual, and if you asked Debrat, bisexual. <laughs> the hashtag beautiful remix was canceled when Mariah took that wild fall during the music video where she broke her elbow and dislocated her shoulder and all that kind of wildness. Oh, yeah. We talked about her... Um, her little her slings. Yeah. yeah. Her sling looks. That's another reason that this album got pushed back one of the times, at least. Okay. I don't know why the Spanglish version is literally wiped clean of my memory. I cannot remember that happening. That's good. <laughs> Somebody must have come and flashed you with one of those things to erase <laughs> it from you. Men in black. <laughs> is popping the cork out of that bottle of Moe and pouring us a splash on the next song, Thirsty. And here we're switching into a different tone than the last two songs, which were light and sweet. Cry and Faded were dark, but in a way that says, sitting in a room alone with the lights off, where Thirsty is dark in the way that says, did I bring enough $1 bills? What? Well, Mariah was asked if she had any songs on Chanteuse that would be good in strip club, like Rihanna's Pour It Up or Beyonce's Drunk in Love, and she said that this song was that for her really? hmm. 
It's another Hit Boy collab, and lyrically, I think that this is a more petty and aggressive take on the same feelings towards Nick that she was expressing on Faded. We're just looking at it from a less sad angle now. She's not sad about it anymore because she's completely over it. This one wasn't a single, but they put it out before the whole album came out as a preview, and the cover art is hilarious. I mean, they took her face from one photo and a body from somewhere else and said, Frankenstein. What? Oh. Oh, I see it. (laughs) I wish I could be nicer about this one, but (laughs) the only note I had... Oh, no. The only note I had is... I feel like I'm losing brain cells. This song, it's just kind of like, um, I don't know. It was definitely a Twitter song, if there ever is a Twitter song. The way there are TikTok songs yeah. now, this is that for Twitter. There's a time and a place. There's a time and a place for a, a more simple song. Mm-hmm. I just expect more from Mariah at this point, honestly. I, I think this was trying to make Obsessed happen again. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like that kind of vibe. I think I have trouble with Mariah's songs that don't lyrically bring it the way her other ones do like i think yeah. i'm expecting i'm putting her at a high bar and right. i shouldn't do that all the time i know that but well she like, can bring it that yeah hard every even time. if you're gonna like have a light-hearted song i think she's done that with substance and this one didn't do that for me okay i could see that Track six, Make It Look Good, is another nostalgic moment on the elusive Chanteuse, and I would consider this a highlight. It reminds me of I Want You by Janet Jackson from Demita Joe. I feel like not a lot of people talk about that song. It's a forgotten gem. Make It Look Good was produced by Mariah and Jermaine Dupree, and it features the legend himself, Stevie Wonder, on the harmonica. So we wanted to just make it like a modern sound- sounding record, and hopefully people will feel that it's just for the nostalgia. I'd love to hear them sing together for Mariah's cover album that I've been trying to will into existence. This song is about falling for someone who Mariah knows is not right for her. It's all bad, but he makes it look good. Mm, bad boy. Bad boy <laughs> stuff. really liked this one as soon as i heard that harmonica i was like is that a harmonica Uh like i was so pleasantly surprised (laughs) and the beat was good there was some doo-woppy kind of stuff going on with her voice and her yeah like her voice choices and the production on this it was just really well put together yeah i really Mm -hmm. liked this one start to finish she She brought it right back up after thirsty yeah she knew she had to yeah Spring time, I 
Moving on to Your Mine, Eternal, the second single release from Me, I Am Mariah, the Elusive Chanteuse. She put this song out for Valentine's Day, three months before the album was to be released, and the whole promo for the song was based around how Mariah was going to be alone for Valentine's Day because Nick's schedule didn't allow him to come spend the evening with her. I don't know if you remember off the top of your acorn, those photos of Mariah in the candy bra. Oh yes, I do remember that. Yeah, those were connected to this song. Oh. This was her Jessica Rabbit era. She brought out that Elvis microphone and a black strapless corset dress as often as she could. And I wasn't mad about it. The song is another throwback this time to like 90s R&B. It's just not the kind that I was listening to. I didn't care for this song too much when it came out. It's it's grown on me some since, but it's still not a favorite. Honestly, I've never been, and I'm just being completely honest, I've never been a fan of this type of thing. I'm just going to be completely honest. I really liked the instrumentals on this one, the piano, and not necessarily an instrumental, I guess, but like the beat that was done with like clapping or stomping or something. It felt like a like a marching band or something. Yeah. I don't know how to explain I liked, it. I like that. Yeah. I like that she mixes it up with like the background music a lot. It keeps the whole album kind of, it keeps you guessing yeah. throughout the whole album. It is fun. Okay, I know this is a really weird association, and I don't know why this song reminds me of it, but do you remember like Imogen Heap and Fru Fru, like that yeah. artist? Uh-huh. This song reminds me of it. Like for some reason, huh. I got some like indie ethereal pop coming okay. out of it, and it was very shocking. I don't know why. I don't know how. But it just proves that I think she pulls inspiration from a lot of genres. Yeah. And this song kind of had that. I kept it so simple uh-huh. so that my two-year-olds can sing, They are singing this to me. I'm like, you guys know this song. And I'm not even, like, it's not like I'm, like, forcing them to sit there and listen to my music. Yeah. But in, in any event. Also, the eternal part like took me out like she can't just have a simple title like your mind it has to have the eternal yeah i don't understand that either. your mind eternal she doesn't even use that word in the song i don't it's just there for looks it it honestly made me laugh it's decoration i like it (laughs) (laughs) i do really love the music video well half of it anyway the mermaid half it's like the scene in peter pan when the mermaids were trying to drown wendy oh (laughs) Except it's just Mariah and her jeweled mermaid tail and glistening gold skin. The part I don't understand is the flashes of Trey songs at the photo shoot. It's so unrelated. He he should have been dressed as Captain Hook on a pirate ship somewhere. And the line where he says something about sliding in from behind. Oof. Slow down, Hook. I did not catch that. Mm. Risque. Moving into the third single and eighth track on the Chanteuse Caboose, You Don't Know What To Do. Here we have another Jermaine Dupri and Brian Michael Cox production. The song is written over a sample of I'm Caught Up in a One Night Love Affair by Inner Life from 1979. Mm. I love the drawn out dramatic opening, just Mariah and the piano and Wale talking over her. That's the only problem I have with this song. Why is Wale here? Who invited him? 
His parts contribute nothing but noise. It's distracting and not necessary because this song is so good. I love Disco Mariah. Maybe, again, like I, I kind of anticipated it from the very beginning. Like I think she was very skillful with her collaborations this time mm-hmm. in an effort to like really get noticed. Yeah. So maybe that's why he was randomly on it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, she was taking a little bit more creative freedom there. I didn't know about the background music being like picked up from a 79 song, but it makes sense. It was very 70s inspired. There was like groovy mm-hmm. kind of element. And I'm seeing now that she has a little bit of that in most of her albums. Yeah. I also didn't know this was one of her singles, but my note for it was that it was very commercial sounding. So I guess that makes sense. It sounds like they made it with the intention of it like doing well commercially it's not following a trend and that's the best thing about this record in my opinion because having to follow trends is not what's fun about making music Yeah, I'm disappointed that we didn't get a music video for this song because it could have been really festive. Mm. But I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have a budget to take a picture for the single art. Oh, what is it? At least with Your Mind, she used a cute graphic of candy hearts with like messages on them to say the title and her name. You know, like cute. But the You Don't Know What To Do cover is literally a close-up shot from the standard album cover with the face swapped out. Oh. Like from a whole different angle than the original pose. It's very Beetlejuice. <laughs> Beetlejuice? Yeah. Remember when his head does that yeah. thing? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Very that. <laughs> I got you, mommy. You make the beat. You make the beat go. I bet you'll be surprised to hear who Mariah worked with on the next song, track nine, Supernatural. If you guessed Jermaine Dupri, well, by golly, you'd be correct. The production on this song is amazing. I love a bounce. We know this. This song features dem babies, dem kids, rock and roll. And it's not just their little child voices that make this song feel like Rugrats. There's something very Tommy Pickles and Chucky Finster about the beat, and I can't quite put my rattle on it. <laughs> that was a good one. That's funny. <laughs> I thought the beginning was cute, cute, very cute, but it, this one also felt like two different songs to me. A little bit confusing, disjointed, like I said earlier. It kind of like brought back this confusion that I had earlier on in the uh-huh. album. It was going so well there for a second. There's something familiar about her, like the ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, like, yeah. what, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, though, right? Yeah. It sounds familiar, like it was pulled from another song that she's done, but she brought the belt in this one. Uh-huh. So, I mean, we can't really take too many points off yeah and please lambs don't get mad at me for saying this i think this song would have been better without the kids i love the song being dedicated to them it's a love song mother to child and mariah really lets us have it vocally she's given it but i don't want to hear the kids Aaliyah. La, 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 la. I'm what are you i'm a song i know you are darling remember when Lindsay lohan came out with that song about her dad <gasps> Daughter to father, daughter to father. She walked so Miley could run. Oh Lindsay covered Edge of Seventeen like 20 years ago, baby. Probably the same album that she was crying about her daddy. 
Anyways, I don't think we'll ever have to worry about Miss Monroe releasing a crying power ballad about Mariah. No, but maybe next. So well, you never know. This album is considered a body of work, then we can call Meteorite the prostate or the asshole. I mean, what's the gayest part of the body? Oh, okay. I see where you're going. Yeah, because this is the gayest part of the album. This is what you hear echoing through your eardrum as your whiff of poppers starts to catch up to you. Superstar, you're a model, you're Linda Evangelisa, <laughs> sissy boots, stunty, cunty, work mama slay. That's what Mariah said with Meteorite. It's like a held back version of one of her house remixes from back in the day. Q-Tip from a tribe called Quest produced Meteorite with Mariah and they sample Going Up in Smoke by Eddie Kendricks from 1976. Mm. Mariah was really inspired by the 70s for her second album, Emotions, and I think part of the approach to making the Elusive Chanteuse was looking at Mariah's earliest influences and pulling them into the 21st century. You know, and back then Mariah was just a kid. She's looking down the same tunnel with a new set of eyes. All in all, Meteorite is a great shower song. Looking at it from that lens now, my notes make sense. I didn't even think of it in the LGBTQIA plus perspective. Uh-huh. <laughs> but like she mentions and Andy Warhol. Yeah. I mean, I should have made that connection sooner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy Warhol said in the future, everybody will be famous. No, he said everybody will be famous. For me, it was very, like, 90s club dance Mm -hmm. music. Yeah, like, I could see the platform boots from here. Right. And there's some weird sound in the background. And, like, some mention of alien. Like, it's very bizarre. It is. Very bizarre. It is. Um, I like it. I, I actually like it too. It's kind of it kind of reminds me more of like a vacation song than a lot of the other ones on this album. I feel Puts that. Puts you in paradise. Yeah, I could see that. A gay At night vacation. Time. Yeah. A gay night vacation. We're going to the <laughs> Danish shore. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. <laughs> wow. Palm Springs White Party. Palm, here yes, we come. Yes, Palm Springs White Party or Danish shore. <laughs>
camouflage is one of those reflective Mariah Carey heartbreak moments that she tears out of her journal and sets to music. As with Cry, this album's miserable opener, Big Jim Wright produced this. The voice is coming in powerful on this one, almost spiritually so. It's a big switch from where the album had been building for the last couple of songs, and we can appreciate the break. It's not a song that I'm crazy about. Mariah being open about her insecurities is nothing new, and again, lambs appreciate this side of her. And you can tell she really took her time recording it. I'm sure the amount of takes she did was astronomical. All the different layers over each other, kind of interrupting herself with herself. Yeah, the layering is cool. I just, I couldn't get past this like, oh, it's so deep, so moody. Like, it was just almost too much. Like, laying it on thick. Camp. Yeah, it was moody to, yeah, to the extent of being maybe a little campy. You're yeah. right. Track number 12 off Me, I Am Mariah, the elusive chanteuse, is called Money. And then in parentheses, we have a dollar sign, an asterisk, forward slash, three periods. I thought that was an error. I was going to ask you, is that... That really is the title. The mystery remains as to what those symbols what, mean. Why? Well, my best guess is money, this, that, the other. Oh, you're so smart. But I mean, because who knows? Because that's in the song. Right. I remember writing. But how yeah. do those symbols represent that? this because it's like i don't know but money features fabulous who at this time i didn't even know he was still working so that's cool to see that they had kept in contact all this time and this is the third and final hit boy production on sean toodle i like money the song and the object <laughs> I could have used more Mariah on this song, less of a feature, if any at all. She didn't really have a verse in the song, it's all him, with her doing the repetitive parts. The only part of his verse that I liked was him using the term gazes, as in fugazes. <laughs> I only know what that means because of the mafia movie Donnie Brasco with Johnny Depp. A bunch oh. of fugazes, fakes, phonies. <laughs> this song feels like four in the morning to me. It's been a long night and I was blitzed a few hours ago, but it's wearing down and not in the way that I feel hungover or sick, I'm just getting sleepy and ready to call it a night. My pants are off, just thrown on the floor somewhere. We'll deal with that later, you know? That's a good analogy. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about her voice, but it doesn't have the same tone it normally does. It's almost on the nasally side, and she never sounds nasally. Yeah. But for some reason, this song, she, her tone is totally different. Have, is, did you notice it, that? It does seem more tighter, more it, Tighter, yep, there we go. Tighter, compressed, nasally. Yeah. <laughs> I think like we can all agree her voice is what shines no matter what style like preferences you have but for some reason it was actually her voice that confused me on this song yeah that's interesting i wonder what that was i don't know if it was the production choice if there was like a weird filter over it or if the note was just i was gonna say it interesting because it was repetitive i don't yeah. know and she was barely and she said the same thing over and over so yeah, yeah. it was odd but it was catchy Mm -hmm. 
The next song, One More Try, is Mariah going back to her formula book and checking the 80s genre-adjacent cover song box. Out of all of them, Without You, Open Arms, I Want to Know What Love Is, Bring It On The Heartbreak, I think One More Try is the best one that she's chosen. If you don't know already, One More Try was written by George Michael. It was released in 1988, and it was his fifth number one song on the Hot 100. alive at this time it would have been great to hear them sing it together can you imagine if instead of fabulous and wale this album featured stevie wonder and george michael oh my god yeah any anywho that's neither here nor there as they say and this song is another must listen from the album we get more of the big mariah voice no distractions I want to hear her do Father Figure next if she's taking requests. This one was so good I didn't even notice it was a cover at first. As with like kind of a lot of her covers, honestly, Uh it takes me a second because she makes it so stylized in her own. So yeah, she like brought us to church with this one. Number 14, the closer to me, I am Mariah, the elusive Chanteuse, is heavenly. No ways tired, can't give up now. Like the title (laughs) of the album, that was quite a mouthful. Literally three titles in one. That last part, the can't give up now part, comes from Mary Mary. I only know that one song, Take the Shackles Off My Feet So I Can Dance. Do you know them? (laughs) No. (laughs) It's pretty standard by now that Mariah drops a little church on us, and she ended her last four albums this way, so... If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And who doesn't love Mariah's message of persevering through trials and tribulations? No one finds the strength within themselves to keep going like Mariah Carey. It's part of her superpower. A hero lies in Mariah. Yes, she is the hero. I love the live sound of this song at first, like the beginning. Um, She just always finds a way to like mix things up, even though this is maybe kind of a standard way for her to end the album. Somehow this song sounded different for her it had a little bit of a different sound the beat the vocal range like all of her choices were slightly different so it felt like it kind of was a graduation from her past albums i feel like she did evolve somehow yeah in this song and in a few of them like she pushed things a little bit further or like made slightly different decisions that's very true thank you (laughs) <laughs> you know, overall, my feelings about The Elusive Chanteuse are positive. I actually think that this is one of her best albums. I think the assignment was clear and she delivered. There's immense variety. She's giving disco, R&B, house, gospel. We're covering all the Mariah Carey corners that she's been known for for 20 plus years. It's just so, it's like, it's 
simmering and, and bubbling up and it's like this thing where it's if it's bigger than me it's bigger than us i left this album listening from beginning to end feeling like a little confused for some reason and i think what it was i was trying to put my finger on the fact that it did cover a lot of the genres that she's hit on in like past albums but again for some reason i think i said it fully in the last like song review something was just a little different about this album she mm -hmm. made different choices she pushed a little further and i think what i'm actually feeling is like it wasn't as polarizing as some of her other albums for me mm -hmm. not being a lamb necessarily right. like some of the other albums i could with confidence be like and eh, there was only a few good songs or eh, it wasn't my favorite or yes i loved everything mm -hmm. this one was like kind of consistent there was only a few that missed the mark and even when they did miss the mark it was still a good song yeah i don't know why but i feel like i don't have as much to say overall for this one as i have in the past mm -hmm. but it is what it is <laughs> it's what it is i guess I, I think that if you're not a mariah fan but are trying to like see something new maybe stick a toe in the mimi pond maybe an ankle <laughs> i think that this could be a good place to dabble do you think there's something to like the way that we're feeling about this album do you think there's something to it where it's like at this point i've now seen she has a she does have a formula yeah but this one took her, like her formula and made slightly different decisions so it feels like it's it does feel like a second phase of mariah music almost yeah like it's familiar but different but starting all new. in the same yeah breath <laughs> All in the same breath. Yeah. Like it's very recognizably Mariah, but maybe feels more like confident in her. Yeah. She, she's more secure in her style. Yeah. Even though she's been doing it for so long. It's like she's finally acknowledging her confidence. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe the, that, that's what we're picking up on. Yeah. I don't know. Her. She is Mariah. She is. <laughs> the elusive Shantoodle. Yeah. <laughs> We'll come back next week where we'll talk more about Mariah. And if you'd like to give us a topic, you can always leave us a voicemail at 857-626-4552. Or you can leave us a cute little five-star review on Apple. It's much appreciated, lambs. See you next Tuesday. Bye. I love you guys. Bye.